0: I'm sure you've all heard that on last Friday the Trump administration they dropped their climate change reports they're actually mandated if we bring this graphic up please mandated by Congress to release this every four years you may remember President Barack Obama and feeling the burn Bernie Sanders pun intended since we're talking about global warming and climate change saying that climate change this is the biggest, most intense, mo- this, is, this is the biggest existential threat to Americans. Even as we have you know, ISIS chopping off the heads of Americans, climate change is a thing that we all should be worried about. So that's obviously one side of the coin of this conversation. Then you have President Trump. He was asked about his own administration's report. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. And, and here's the other thing. You're going to have to have China and Japan and all of Asia and all of these other countries, you know, addresses our country. Right now, we're at the cleanest we've ever been, and that's very important to me. But if we're clean, but every other place on Earth is dirty, that's not so good. So I want clean air. I want clean water. Very important. So he has a point, but I got to share this with you. Right as I was coming on the air, Washington Post put out a news alert and Trump says because they didn't he did an interview with the WAPO, he says, hey, he is among the very high levels of intelligent people that do not believe in climate change. That's pretty much the quote there. I'm of the people that are very high intelligence but do not believe in climate change. So look, here's the thing, even if we completely got rid of every single greenhouse gas emission in America, but China keeps putting out dirty pollution. You and I both know you can drive all the priests you want all day long, but at the end of the day, it's not going to make a difference in a global scheme of things. That's just the reality. So today, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders, she held a press conference. She was asked about this uh, climate change report from the administration as well. Here's what she had to say.
1: We think that this is the most extreme version, um, and it's not based on facts. It's based on, it's not data-driven. We'd like to see something that is more data-driven, it's based on modeling, which is extremely hard to do when you're talking about the climate. Again, our focus is on making sure uh, we have the safest, cleanest air and water, and the president's going to do exactly that.
0: I want to bring all this up tonight obviously because of this climate change report just dropped recently but also there was a big event tonight at the Fargo Theater they're holding this event called the power of the Red River Valley they're going to be showing a brand new documentary that's called the power of Minnesota Minnesota is now becoming a leader in renewable energies I want to play for you a quick clip from the doc so this solar garden is uh, approximately 22 acres
1: and it produces enough power to uh, power about 1000 homes it makes a lot of sense for me that I know this 22 acres is going to make me a profit and it's also producing a lot of electricity and helping out the community.
0: And it's great for that farmer. He's got another revenue stream. I think that sounds great, but the question we've got to ask ourselves is, does any of this really make a difference? I bring this up because Bill Gates, we all know Bill Gates, pretty smart and wealthy guy. He was on an Axios special on HBO over the weekend. He said, look, we can sit here and talk about Priuses and cars and electricity all we want. But what people don't really realize is that 25 percent of the greenhouse gases, only 25 percent comes from electricity. So you've got all these other things that we've got to be looking at. So, look, you can go out and, you know, sort of pat yourself on the back for all the solar and wind energy that you want to create, which maybe that's great. But at the end of the day, does any of this really make a big difference when you look at it from a very macro global perspective? perspective. A very important concept and conversation I think to have. So earlier today I sat down with an NDSU extension assistant professor in the Department of Agribusiness. He's also a bioenergy expert. His name is Dr. David Ripplinger. He's going to be hosting part of the discussion tonight at the Power of Minnesota documentary showing at the Fargo Theater. And we talked about, hey, what, what is the real impact of renewable energy? Oftentimes it increases the cost of energy. Does it really have a good impact when it comes to what's happening here with the environment? Does it make a difference? We talked about that and much, much more. Professor Ripplinger, great to have you in studio. Welcome to Point of View. So the Power of Minnesota documentary taking place in at the Fargo Theater. More details than in the moment, but, but what are you hoping to accomplish tonight by showing this documentary?
1: Yeah, what we really want is attendees to, to realize the current state of practice in energy projects uh, in, in rural North Dakota, Minnesota. And really to understand that there have been many landowners, farmers, individuals who have uh, taken on these energy projects and been successful with them. Yeah, one of the things that jumped out to me, I actually
0: watched the doc, and they mm-hmm. talk like, it's sort of a new revenue stream. What was interesting is one guy had a 22-acre solar farm, and I saw that. And I obviously don't know the economy like you do, mm-hmm. the, but the economics is that I was like, okay, so now he's got the solar farm. Is that going to make him more revenue than if you were to plant
1: beans or corn there or what's Sure. So if you actually look at that producer it's it's on pasture grown so it's not mm-hmm. it's not cropland. Um, and it is in Minnesota and so they have some programs in Minnesota that we don't have in North Dakota. Um, but in his case, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a it's a revenue generator, it's, it's, it's additional income and it's, he's entering retirement. So how much was that subsidized by the taxpayer? You know, it, it can be done a few different ways, there's federal programs, the USDA has energy programs as well as the state of Minnesota provides incentives. Uh, in, in this part of the country, we have a little less sunlight. Uh, and. Uh, still relatively competitive energy prices, power prices. It's enough of a of a kicker to to put it over the put it over the edge. You know we don't see those types of projects in North Dakota generally, uh, although we might in the future. The, the technology is continuing to improve, costs are coming down. But again, most solar in, the, in this country is in the southern states. Well, why not in North Dakota? Why are we not do more this North Dakota? Uh, so in, in terms of solar, you know we don't have the the, the state uh, interested in it, uh, which you know is is, is a prerogative of of the citizens. Uh, we also have, you know, relatively affordable energy. Uh, you know, a lot of our, our, our power is coming from coal and, and here we're we're relatively competitive with that. So to push these newer technologies may or may not work.
0: So to me that seems to be the rub. I look at North Dakota, mm-hmm. uh, we've got very clean air here and yet we produce a ton mm-hmm. of coal mm-hmm. and yet Minnesota at one point didn't want to take our coal and then it raises the cost of energy for their consumers.
1: No, absolutely. And and the cost of some of these regulations uh, explicitly causes the price of power to increase. And so the question is, are there environmental benefits that offset that? Or are the citizenry uh, happy to uh, impose taxes or, or fees upon themselves? For a real or perceived benefit, but I think that's a thing. So are you actually making an impact? Because, and no offense to Prius drivers, but I
0: think people drive a Prius like, oh, look at me, I feel good about myself, or I recycle or whatever. But mm-hmm. does
1: it really move the needle at all, or is just more of, hey, look at me, I can feel good about myself? Well, I, I think it's both, and I, you know, I think that it for for electric car operators, it, it moves it a little bit. Again, depending on where the power is generated. Um, you know, because you're you might just be swapping petroleum for fossil for other fossil fuels for coal uh, or natural gas. Uh, but again, you know, there may be f- real financial benefits. there are possibly some environmental benefits as well. But again, if you talk down if you come back to the individual consumer, it is their choice. it's It's a decision that they get to make. Not necessarily. If Minnesota wasn't going to take our coal, I guess is what I'm getting at. Well, so. yeah, and that was found that, that that that's unconstitutional, the, right? The, the interstate <laughs> commerce clause kind of stepped in and it said you did, can't. It did. At one
0: point, they thought. Here's what I want to get at. There was an interesting piece. Bill Gates, and and we know this whole climate mm-hmm. report came out from the Trump administration recently. Mm-hmm. Bill Gates was on Axios, and he says, "Look, what people don't realize, or I'm thinking about is that." electricity is only 25% of this greenhouse gas emissions problem. Mm-hmm. You still have 24% coming from agriculture, 15% from transportation. So by doing these solar panels or the, the wind farms, mm-hmm. again, are we just doing a do-good or feel-good thing? Or is it actually gonna make an impact when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions?
1: Mm-hmm. A- you know, absolutely. And, I, and I, would, I would actually take this perspective. You know, if we're taking uh, greenhouse gas emissions and climate change seriously, then we do need to address it in different ways. One of the biggest challenges, or uh, things that confuse me as an economist, is it's all piecemeal, and so we have different states pursuing different strategies, the federal government pursuing different strategies in different space, be it power or transportation fuel. And and again, if this is important and something we do want to deal with, I would expect and hope mm-hmm. that there's some more consistency, at least on the federal level. Do you think it's enough I mean, we had this new climate report. Out. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you agree with what this climate report said? Well, so I'm not a climate climatologist. I'm not a climate expert, so I can't question their science. I don't have the background to, to critique it. Uh, it. My my interest is how might we address these issues? Either but in what issue specifically? What's that? What issue specifically? I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So for me, it's you know, what do we do in terms of agriculture to make sure that if climate change does occur if there's a, you know a, a, an immediate dramatic shift are we in north dakota ready to uh, address that change or uh, one of the things i work with in industrial agriculture if i was going to build a processing plant in north dakota and the climate varies or changes a bit you know will it still be a viable plant you know a decade or two decades uh, down the road but i think you could just say the climate changes no matter what you do well yeah so climate varies and of course we live in 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 the northern plains and we have uh, ex, you know, extreme climate, right? It's, <laughs> and climate variation. You know, we've been experiencing what I call a wet cycle for the last two decades. You know, going before that, it was quite dry, and those affect agriculture. And so then my question is, and again, because I'm not a climatologist, is how do we make smart decisions as agricultural producers or agricultural processors or industry to make sure that as climate varies, that we're in a position to, to remain profitable?
0: And that's my question. So, mm-hmm. so we've got all these models now that are determining what possibly could happen in the future about climate change. Mm-hmm. Climate change is no matter what. So why add all these extra costs on for something that
1: may even never happen? That, that's a great, that, that's a great question. Again, I don't have the, the background in that to, to, to really address that issue again because I don't, I don't have the background in the climate models. I just say as an economist, you know, what would this mean? How could we respond? And again, a lot of, a lot of the work that's been done You know, initially was on the climate science part and now we're seeing others, including economists, becoming part of that conversation saying, "Okay, so if this is really the situation that if we are uh, reducing carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases and we need to deal with it, what is the best way to do it?" it? And for me as an economist, you have to be careful because it's not necessarily stop doing what we're doing but looking at other tools in the toolbox or creating other tools to help mitigate those effects. And I think that's missed a lot um, by a lot lot of people who are interested in this as well as climatologists because they don't take that next step.